Um, so my name is Katie Hennessy, and I'm the program coordinator at Teen Treks. And um, so we're a bike touring company for teenagers. And uh, we came in contact with Darren actually on one of our tours one time. He hunted us down while we were biking with some kids. And it was we were in Maine, like turning into a, a grocery store. And he found us and did a video. And it was really cool to see the way uh, he is in action, just finding people and connecting people in the bike touring world and videoing them and creating content out of that. So um, it's really fun to collaborate with him tonight. Um, and we're gonna get into some questions, like a Q&A with him and a little, learn a little bit more about where he's traveled and some of his favorite experiences. But first, I just kind of wanna um, introduce y'all to what this is. Um, we started this to, it's called Bike Touring Education Series. So we started this at Teen Treks to create a community around bike touring and introduce those who might be new to the world of bike touring to just the basics of gear, logistics, day-to-day -day life, and also have some guest speakers so people could learn from those who have traveled a lot. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of why we're here. And so this is our third uh, installment of our series. And um, before we go any further, I do want to introduce the director of Teen Treks, uh, Mr. Cliff Maydell. He's uh, one of my favorite people in the world, and he has traveled just, he's, no one loves bike touring more than Cliff, and he's just about in a different city every time I talk to him. So it's kind of fun to see all the travels that he's taken. So anyways, Cliff, um, if you could just introduce yourself and Teen Treks to us, that'd be great. Hi. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Um, I see there are some teen trekkers here. There are some fan teen trekker families. And I see a lot of guests that obviously are friends of Darren. So welcome, everybody. Um, let me just get, give you a little information about teen treks. Uh, we've been doing bike tours for teenagers for 20 years. Uh, this is our 20th season. Uh, we run bike trips across America, uh, Canada, and in Europe. Uh, we get... Um, we get kids in bikes, which um, in the past, for the past 20 years, I think has been a little bit of work. But I think actually with COVID, um, teenagers are actually really in, um, anxious to be on bicycles. And that's really nice um, to see that. Um, so we run um, 17 different trips. We have uh, 34 trips to total. Uh, we try to get um, as many of those trips out every season as we can. Uh, this year is looking very good. Registration has been great because I think parents are feeling their kids have been cooped up at home too long and they want to do something special for them. And getting a kid on a bike is truly something really special. Um, and I think a good way to deal with COVID. So anyway, I want to welcome everyone here. I want to welcome Darren. And I look forward to hearing uh, about Darren's travels. I do follow him on a regular basis. Um, so it's really nice to have him join Team Trex. Thank you, Darren. Yeah. Thanks, Cliff. Okay, so we'll move right into things. Um, so yeah, like I said, we ran into Darren on that trip in Maine. And ever since then, just kind of wanted to collaborate with him. And so tonight, um, I just wanted to go over, I wanted to kind of celebrate Darren and some of his travels and some of his experiences and learn from him as well. But a little bit of background about him. I know a lot of y'all may have be, may be followers of the Bicycle Touring Pro or some of y'all might be new to um, 
who he is. So I'll just give you a little background. Um, so this is kind of something Darren's dedicated his life to. So the past like 20 years, he's been helping people plan, prepare, and execute execute their first sorry execute their first ever bike tours. So he really tries to mitigate the um, headache that goes behind um, setting up your first tour and knowing what to buy and knowing where to go. And he kind of does all that prep work for you. And um, he's got a website, uh, the founder of the Bicycle Touring Pro website. And um, he's also written a book called The Bicycle Touring Blueprint, which helps give a great overview of all the logistics of touring. Um, and then he does these incredible YouTube videos that gives like reviews and advice and tips about being on the road, planning for your first trip and just all things bike touring. So Darren is also like really well-traveled. He apparently is across the country on a bike six times, six different times and has been to at least 70 different countries. So um, you'll probably see that in some of the YouTube videos that he's done that he's just kind of all over the place. And just like we experience at Team Treks, he is very people focused and personalized. So he tries to find tourists out there and tourist organizations and connect with them. And so um, anyways, Darren, welcome. And we know you're calling from Park City, Utah. So can you tell us a little bit about what biking in the winter there might look like? Yeah, it's been snowing all day today. So it's it we have a foot of new snow outside. So biking here in the winter is pretty extreme. But um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, before before you ask me some questions, though, I just wanted to say that like I started bicycle touring when I was a teenager. I was 17 years old. I did my first three bike tours when I was 17, 18, 19 years old, uh, cycling across different portions of the United States. So I, I know like how powerful bike touring can be for somebody of that age, um, because I, I feel like maybe, you know, when you approach bike touring when you're older, you've done things in your life, you know, but, but I know that like when I was 17 years old and going off on my first bike tour, I had, I had never been away from home for like more than a week. In, in my whole life, you know, away from my parents and home and everything. So like going off on this big long distance bike tour was an incredible thing that felt like the biggest challenge in the whole possible world. And then, you know, a short while later to have accomplished that, it just gave me like a, a real sense of accomplishment um, as a teenager doing that. So uh, I really, you know, I know that how powerful a bike tour can be for somebody of that age. All right, so like I said, so we've called this discussion favorites with the Bicycle Touring Pro. So what I wanted to do is kind of hear about some of his favorite gear, um, favorite locations he's traveled, favorite experiences he's had. Um, so I'm gonna kind of move into that and I'm just gonna ask you some questions and feel the liberty to talk as you please. Okay. But to start out, I just wanna hear um, what you would imagine as your perfect bike tour like what it would look like where you would start finish who would you who would you be with how many miles would you do per day like what is ideal bike tour for you oh man that's so hard because uh, <laughs> I feel like I've had a, a lot of ideal bike tours but I I think if you had to define like the perfect day of bicycle training it's, it's like a combination of multiple things like good cycling beautiful scenery you meet some interesting people along the way. You end up like camping or staying in some incredible location at night. 
you have some delicious food for dinner or something. It's, it's like a combination of all of those things. But, but I think like the, the perfect day of bicycle touring is the day that you remember. Because I, I feel like when you're at home in your normal life, like so many days just go by very, very quickly and you don't, you don't really remember them, if that makes sense. You know, one day just kind of leads into the next. But on a bike tour, time kind of slows down. It's like, a, I always say it's like a time machine sort of. And time slows down and you have these experiences that you do remember for days, weeks, months, or even years, your whole life. So that's the perfect day is when all those things come together and then you remember that for years in the future. Do you have favorite experiences, like favorite places you've traveled or maybe just how when you were there, it was just like your favorite bike experience? Sure. I mean, I have favorite places. Yeah. Um, but, but like in my book, the bicycle Touring blueprint and on my website and stuff, like I'm always encouraging people not to necessarily go to places that other people say are the best for bicycle touring, but I always encourage people to like go to places that they are interested in, because I feel like if you go to a place that you're interested in, you're going to have a much better experience than going to a place that other people recommended just because it's good for cycling, you know? So like, like Iceland is a very popular place for cycling, but for so many people that might not be the ideal place to go, you know? So um, for, for me, I really like Norway. That's like one of my favorite places. Um, just from a scenery standpoint, you can camp anywhere you want to. Uh, the food is delicious. People are friendly and they speak English, which helps. Um, that's one of my favorite places. Uh, like Transylvania, Romania is another place in Europe that is I really like and I've been to three times now. Um, it's just beautiful. It, it's like stepping back in time. It feels like you're a hundred years in the past. There's still people like getting around on wagons and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> the architecture is beautiful and, and it's wild. Like there's forests and bears and it, it, can, it can feel scary, but kind of safe all at the same time. And then I would say South Africa is like another highlight of places that I've been. Um, it's not a place a lot of people go to but I spent three months cycling across South Africa and I went like everywhere and it's probably one of the best cycling experiences or places that I've ever been. Just the roads were amazing. Every day there was something interesting that I would come across. Um, there's cultural differences and stuff too. I mean, like there, there's people in Africa that have like, they've cut their face up. So they have like scars all across, the, across their faces or their wearing, uh, I don't know, they almost like mud across their faces and things, just things that you would not see in any other parts of the world. So um, yeah, those, those would be three of my favorite places, I guess. Cool. Okay, so you mentioned roads. Um, do you happen to have a, a particular type of terrain or road that you like to cycle on more than others? Like rail trails, yes. gravel, farm to market roads, what do you like? washboard roads for hundreds of miles um no <laughs> i that's the least that's the the worst um <laughs> i i i biked across swaziland which is this little country next to uh south africa and there there was a road that i biked there i think it was like 200 miles or something it was all washboard 
you know, uh, uh, it was terrible. And, and I still remember getting off of that road as like one of the best feelings in the whole world. Um, but, but in reality, no, I, I, most of my cycling has been on paved roads of some kind, but I, I like a mix of everything. Like, so, so like the bike that I have now, um, it's kind of designed to go anywhere and do anything. So it can do single track trails to an extent, uh, you know, dirt roads, gravel roads, paved roads, everything basically. So I, I like, I like it when you get a mix of everything. Kind of like I said, the perfect day is like a combo of a whole bunch of different things. Same with cycling. Like if, if I'm on the road for too long, that can become kind of boring or something. If I'm on dirt too long, that becomes boring. So a little bit of everything. Like to mix it up. Cool. Yeah. But I mean, you see that now in the way that touring bicycles are being designed, like the gravel bikes and stuff are becoming more popular because people are real, realizing that they can get away from cars and be on these dirt gravel roads that are much more enjoyable to ride as long as you have a bike that can handle those conditions. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, let's talk about gear a little bit. Um, sure. I mean, I know you probably, you've got a perfect setup but do you feel like there's any gear right now that you're just like in love with, you love traveling with, it's like your new favorite item? Well, I mean, the, the first thing that comes to mind is like my favorite item for bike touring is kind of obvious for a lot of people, but it's my handlebar bag, which is the bag that goes on the front of your handlebars. And in this bag, I carry all of my things that I need to like easily access while I'm riding my bike, okay. map, phone, camera, I don't know, whatever else I, food, uh, snacks for the day or whatever. Um, because I actually did my first, I would say like three years at least of bike tours with no handlebar bag at all. And every time I needed something, I'd have to stop my bike reach into my panniers, sometimes like twist around behind me and try to, you know, or get off my bike completely to get something. And, and just getting that little tiny handlebar bag that I could access while I was riding my bike made such a huge difference because I was able to access the things that I use most often without getting off my bike. And oftentimes I'm accessing those things while I'm riding my bicycle. Um, I've seen other cyclists like eating spaghetti out of their handlebar bags as they're riding. I wouldn't recommend that, but like I've seen people do it. Uh, <laughs> the, the, other, the other thing that I think has totally changed uh, bike touring is the smartphone. Um, because now you, you can carry your map and, and a, a thousand books and your entertainment and podcasts and everything you would possibly need practically is in this tiny little device. Um, and, and that's totally changed the way bike touring is done because like when I started bike touring 20 years ago, I didn't have a phone. Um, I, I, I just used a paper map for, I would say the first 10 years of my bike tours. Um, I'm trying to like, really, I've only had a phone for the last seven years or something like that. So, uh, I, it's completely changed the way I travel and the way that pretty much everyone travels. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Do you have like a random item that you take with you? Even if you're trying to pack light, you always bring this, like some sort of item that is a luxury item that you always take with you. 
No, <laughs> I don't, I can't think, I mean, every, not every time, but I mean, I've, I've definitely brought luxury items on my trips, but they've, uh -huh. they've always diff, they've always differed, you know, like I've never brought, I've seen people like carrying stuffed animals or something on their trips or something. I've never, I've never done anything like that, but I have brought weird, wacky things on my bike tours. Um, one year I brought a, a set of disc golf discs you know, so that I could stop at disc golf courses and play disc golf. Um, that that was that worked out pretty well, actually. And it was kind of like a fun thing to do off of the bike. One year, I actually carried a skateboard on the back of my bicycle. This was my fifth bike tour across the United States. And I had a skateboard on the back of my bike. And I stopped at every single skate park on the western coast of the United States and skateboarded for like half an hour. And then I just continued on. Um, so, so yeah, I've definitely carried three items, I guess. Um, but those, those are the two that probably stand out the most to me. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay. Speaking of that, do you have any side adventures that you really like to do while you're bike touring? Like besides just getting to where you're trying to go, what do you stop and do? What is one of your favorite things you like to stop and do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I, another thing I've done is like geocaching. Do you know what that is? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like where people hide little things all around the world and you can look up the coordinates online and it's like a treasure hunt with a GPS basically. So I've done that like all around the world. I think that's kind of cool to do. Um, but, but one of the weirdest and best side things that I've ever done in my whole life uh, is I, when I was in Romania, I biked from Turkey up through like Ukraine and I, I just stopped in Romania and what to do in the town that I was in. And one of the things that they recommended was to go paragliding. So I like looked up, I'd never gone paraglide. Paragliding is like, you have a parachute and you jump off the top of a mountain and you like coast on these updrafts and you try to stay in the air as long as possible. You can stay up in the air for like hours on end if you if the wind is right. So anyways, um, so I, instead of just like si signing up for one paragliding flight, I decided to sign up for a paragliding course where they like teach you to become a paragliding pilot. And so I, I have since taken two entire months of paragliding courses in in Romania and learn to fly a paraglider and I have enough hours in a paraglider to like become an official pilot all I have to do is take the test but I've never done it because I I, I should just just so I can say I'm a pilot you know but, but honestly like that's one of the best things I've ever done besides bike touring maybe itself um just the views are incredible and it, it was such a challenge just like bike touring when you get started you know there's so much to learn and get into um but yeah paragliding is amazing cool i like that okay well let's talk about unexpected experiences because we all anybody that's done a bike tour you know you nothing really goes as planned you might try to set out and go somewhere but things happen along the way so have you had any really remarkable and unusual experiences that stand out to you? Yes. I mean, I've been biking around the world for 20 years and, and I always tell people this, like a lot of people that are into bike, like when they're getting into bike touring, they think that every day 
is going to be like an incredible magical thing that happens to them like every five minutes some like epic thing is going to happen and that's not always the case sometimes you can go for days where you're just looking at beautiful scenery and and that's kind of the day you know but then every once in a while something incredible magical memorable happens and so i probably have like a hundred or more of these incredible sorts of things. What what kind of incredible thing are you are you talking about? Like uh, good things or bad things or scary things or Maybe I don't know. That what. really stands out. It could be a wild animal experience. It could be just crazy situation that happened. Um, people you've met. Really, something that stands out in your mind. Unusual. You weren't. Yeah. Okay. Well. Well. The, there's so many unusual things. I mean, um, the honestly, like the first crazy unusual thing that stands out that I have seen is when I was in Africa, I was going across this bridge and I look over to my right and there was like 20 naked men just bathing in the river. You know, like that's sort of the thing that stands out to, in my mind is like, you don't see that every day, you know? Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> But um, besides that, I mean, there's been so many like uh, people that have taken me in on my travels that are really memorable. Like the, the first person that ever invited me into their home, I still remember like so fondly because I guess it was just the, the first time it happened, but, but he was an ex uh, chef from New York City, but he was living in Kansas. I was biking across America and he was in Kansas in the middle of this tiny little town and uh, I had stopped at the gas station there to get some food or whatever. And this guy comes up to me and, and he's not wearing a shirt. He uh, has the biggest beer belly you've ever seen. And he looked like, like he'd never worn a shirt in his entire life because his skin was so dark, you know, like just burnt completely all over his back and everything. But I own this farm down the road. Would you, would you like to come and camp at my farm for the night? You can set up your tent in the yard and I'll make you some dinner. I'm, a sh I'm an ex-chef, you know, and, and I've got two kids and, and they, I'm sure they'd love to meet you and blah, blah, blah. And, and so I was really scared to go with this guy because I'm in the middle of nowhere all by myself. And I'm thinking, you know, what if he's a serial killer or something, you know? But I, I ended up following him and he turned out to be like the greatest guy. And he had two little kids, like a five-year-old daughter and an eight-year-old son or something like that. And we played chess all night and, and the five-year-old beat me. And, um, and it was just, a, it was a great night. You know what I mean? It was just like one of these things that would never happen if you were just living your ordinary life. But because I was on this bicycle, it, it made it very easy for him to approach me and and invite me into his home. So I guess those are the sorts of things that happen. You know, one day you see 20 naked men bathing in a river and the next day you're being served, uh, you know, a five course meal by an ex New York chef in the middle of Kansas. You know, yeah. those are the things. Yeah, sounds about right. Okay, well, I wanna give everybody else time to ask Darren any questions that come to your mind. Everybody is on mute, so just unmute yourself if you do want to ask a question. You can also use the chat if you would prefer, and I can ask it for you. But go, feel free to chime in if you have a question for him. Hey, Darren, how many miles do you go a day? Who's asking? Uh, this is Kevin. 
Sam, I'm oh. curious, uh, how long, uh, oh, hey, how many miles do you bike? Yeah, well, uh, the the average like bike tourist, I think, goes like 40 to 60 miles per day. That's, okay. I think that's pretty typical. What, what do you get? What do you guys do on your teen trek tours? How far do they go? Um, 40 to 60 is about normal. Um, our cross America yeah. does a little bit more. And then we have beginner trips as well that do like 15 to 25, but I'd say 40 to 60 for our moderate ones. Yeah. Yeah. On my, on my early bike tours where I, when I was young and didn't know much, um, I, it was very common for me to bike 50 to hundred miles a day. And, and there were a lot of days where I would bike, you know, 80 to hundred miles. But now that I've been doing bike terrain for 20 years, I really don't enjoy those big long days. I mean, I still do them every once in a while, but I found that that 40 to 60 mile uh, range is something that I, I enjoy a whole lot more. I, I feel like 60 miles or hundred kilometers is like the perfect distance. Yeah. Hey, Darren, uh, this is David in Chicago. Um, I've watched a lot of your videos. Uh, and one, one thing I noticed is when you're, when you're biking on a highway with lots of trucks and cars flying by, it doesn't look like you, you use mirrors at all. Is there, is there a reason yeah. why? Uh, I, I, I use a mirror because I kind of like to know if one's <laughs> creeping up on me, but it doesn't look like you use mirrors. Is, what's your philosophy there? Yeah. Well, I, I have actually used a mirror probably for half of the time that I've been on the road over the 20 years. So 10 years with a mirror and 10 years without, I guess. Um, but yeah, recently I, I haven't been using a mirror. And, and I usually, like every one of my bike tours, I pack differently depending on where I'm going, you know? And so like when, when I'm in America, I do oftentimes have a mirror on me. But when I'm in Europe or something, I oftentimes don't just because the roads are more, more friendly. And, you know, I, I, I don't know, a lot of times I just feel like I can get away without a mirror. Um, maybe some of that comes with just the experience of being able to listen and hear where the car is. But, but I agree with you, having that mirror is a whole lot safer. Um, and, and it's something that I recommend to people all the time is like, if, especially if they're worried about traffic and stuff like that is yeah. it's so good to have that mirror because you can really tell if the car sees you and if they're getting over or if they don't see you at all and you need to get over yeah <laughs> hey darren paul yeah. here um i have a question hey. about do you have any plans yet to do a bikes and burritos tour I, I, they look like they're really fun to do and uh, <laughs> i was just kind of curious if you had one plan for this year yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, uh, yeah. So I've done several of those bikes and burritos tours in Southern California, and now that I'm back in Utah, I'm kind of thinking of thinking of doing one here. the 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 reason I haven't planned anything is just because um, because of COVID, COVID, <laughs> you know. And I wasn't sure if people would show up. Where Where are you located, Paul? I'm in uh, northeastern Oregon, Pendleton. Oh, Oregon. Okay. Yeah. So See, this is one of the, I mean, I, you're only a day. Yeah, well, my, my bikes and yeah, my bikes and burritos thing is, is like a short overnight trip that I've done in the past for those who don't know. 
Um, it's just like one day of cycling, then we go to a campsite, we camp for a night, we eat some burritos around a campfire, and then we bike back the following day. So it's like a very good, just kind of social bike touring event thing that I've started a few years ago. And yes, I, I would like to do it again, and I'd like to do it in more parts of the country. Um, so keep bugging me about it, and I'll make it happen. Okay, yeah. thanks. Hey, Darren, Steve here in Montreal. Hey, Steve. Um, do, you spend, do you spend a lot of time mapping out your routes, or you just go with the flow? Good question. So um, again, every bike tour is kind of different, and uh, some of my tours that I've done, I have mapped out every single day of the trip where I know, I know where I'm going to camp every night or where I'm going to stay in a hotel or whatever. And other trips, I have almost done completely no, no planning at all. Um, like, like when I biked across Africa, I made no plans at all. I just knew where I was starting and where I was finishing, and I just made it up every single day when I was out there. But um, a lot of my like North America bike tours because going to be cycling each day. So um, every bike tour is different, and and so it requires different amounts of planning. Darren, can you hear me? Oh yes, I can hear you. Okay, name's Doug. I'm in Florida. I'm my hesitancy, my only fear about doing a bike packing tour is that I've only been cycling for about three months now. I do 25 to 30 miles a day. Should I be concerned about coming on a back uh, a bike packing tour and not being able to keep up when you're doing 50, 60 miles a day? Yeah. So, so are you talking about like joining a group of other people? Or doing a tour on your own? Now, I've never done one before, so it would probably be with a group. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, you're already off to a good start because the fact that you can do 25, 30 miles is great because a lot of people struggle just to do that, you know? So you're already past kind of that 10-mile mark, which is where a lot of people struggle. Yeah. But, um, but a lot of people that go off on bike tours really have, have almost like never cycled the distances that they're planning to cycle on the, on, you know, their own daily basis is like, like the teenagers, I imagine on, on the teen treks tours, um, probably a lot of those teenagers have never biked more than going to school and back or something. I would guess, I don't know. You tell me. Um, but so, so there is an aspect of like, it's okay to kind of get out there and push yourself. But at the same time, I highly recommend you, uh, I would, if I were you, I would do at least like a few rides on your own while you're close to home that are close to those distances, yeah. you know? Um, and maybe like what I always tell people to do is like pick a campsite or some, or a hotel near where you live that's say 50 miles away, 40 miles away or something like that ride to that hotel or campground, spend the night there, and then come back the next day. You can do it over the weekend. And that's like a really good test of your endurance as well as like a test of your gear and everything else. So you'll, you'll very quickly discover like, okay, that I was able to do it or, oh gosh, that really drained me. I need to put in more training or whatever. You may also discover that your bike's too heavy, you're packing too much stuff or, or whatever else, you know? So that, that's really how you get started is is you got to test yourself at some point and i would yeah, recommend that, doing it 
before before you get on a big tour like that yeah okay good advice thank you yeah hey darren uh this is brent and i joined a little late so if you've answered this question just let me know uh thanks okay. appreciate uh seeing your blog and everything hey how do you do yeah, food yeah. on a long ride so you know uh some eating in, but carrying a lot of your food and buying your food. Uh, that's, that's uh, my biggest concern. Okay. Yeah. Um, well in 20 years, like the longest I've ever had to carry food is like a week. Um, maybe, you know, maybe even like five days even was like the longest. So even that, that's actually like a lot of food though, <laughs> you know, five days worth of food is a lot. Um, so most of the time you are actually able to find food as you go along it. And I would say most of the time, like I'm probably just carrying one or two days worth of food at, at most because I, you constantly are hitting a place where there's a, a restaurant or a supermarket and then you can re, uh, refuel, refill your bags or whatever. Um, that's one of the things that I, I like talk about inside my book, the bicycle train blueprint is like, when you, when you're, when you're planning a bike tour, it, it's kind of like playing a game of chess or something like you want to think multiple steps ahead. Um, and the more steps ahead that you can think the better off you're going to be, um, because on a bike tour, you're having to think about like, where am I going to get my next food? Where am I going to get my next water? Where am I going to sleep tonight? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so before you ever leave a location that has food, you have to know like where the, at least the next one or two places are that you could potentially get food in the future, right? So that you know how much food to carry, et cetera. Um, so, so it's a matter of just thinking ahead, I guess. You know, um, I don't know if I'm answering this right, <laughs> but what, what else about your question? I mean, what is your main concern? Well, I, I've done some small touring <clears throat> and, you know, you carry some food or some energy bars and you're, you're looking for, you know, a place, but there's restaurants. Sometimes the restaurants are closed. Uh, just, you know, I, I guess, I, you know, you answered my question. Well, it's, it's really planning ahead. And uh, sometimes, you know, watching your blog, sometimes it looks like you're eating just whatever carbs or proteins you can, not really a full meal. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, especially when you get more extreme with your bike touring and you go to places where things are more remote, the food choices can go way, way down. I mean, uh, when I was in Africa, there were times where like I would pull into what appeared on, on the map as like a village or a town and there would be one little store there, like a convenience store. And they would have like two shelves of stuff and it was usually just like soda and junk food you know chips or something like that and and that's that's all there is out there you know so in those instances you just take what you can get um and and there's been a lot of times on my bike trips where that's been the case where you just kind of get whatever you get you know and and just hope that you can get to a, a place with some better food in the future um but but when you're touring in more civilized parts of the world north america europe uh, Asia, even um, usually you can, you know, when you pull into a town, there's usually something that you can find. Yeah. Um, hi, this is Nathan from Washington State. I got a couple of questions. Uh, but first, I wanted to say thanks to Teen Treks for putting this on, and thanks, Darren. 
Um, I'm preparing to do a longer one day ride uh, coming up on the next nice day. And I'm considering buying a Camelback uh, like water bottle. I'm just wondering if you would recommend that or just sticking with water bottles. And then secondly, um, do you use an app to track your mileage when you're out on the bike? Yeah. So the first question about the, the Camelback, are, are you asking about like the thing that you wear on your back or are you asking about their water bottles that they Oh, make? yeah, yeah, the, the thing you wear on your back. Oh, okay, the thing you wear on your back. Yeah, so um, a lot of people are wearing these and I actually wore a Camelback like that on my early bike tours. But one of the like main principles of bicycle touring or bike packing generally is that you try not to carry anything on your back or your body. And that includes even a camel pack. Um, and that's why like when you see the photos of me on my bike or other people on their bikes, like all of the weight, including the water is usually on the bicycle somewhere. Um, and, and it's not on your body. So it, the reason for that is putting anything on your back or your body just makes you hot, sweaty, and sore. And a camel pack is one of those things that can make you hot, sweaty, and sore, even though it is just a little bit of water. It probably won't make you sore, but it, it may make you hot and sweaty. Um, but, it, you know, but it's important to drink enough too. So what you'll see on a lot of touring bicycles, bicycles that have been designed for long distance riding is they have multiple mounts on them for multiple water bottles. So like my, my touring bike uh, has like three water bottle mounts um, so that I can carry an extra water bottle if I want to, you know, for those long stretches of road. And it sounds like maybe that's what you uh, need as well as like a way to carry extra water. Um, but but yeah, like it, it's okay. I, I think it's okay to carry just a camel pack, but you, you don't want to have like the camel pack with all your other gear on your back. That's probably not something to do. And, and like there's traditional bicycle touring where you're riding on a road and you have like the panniers, which are like these backpack sized bags that go on the sides of the bicycle. And then there's the, the more like modern bike packing where where there's like all these bags that attach to the frame of your bicycle. And you will see a lot of people who are doing bike packing because they have all this stuff mounted on their bike, they, they maybe don't have room for additional uh, water bottle cages or whatever because their frame packs are blocking some of those places, they will use a camel pack. So they kind of, they're kind of like breaking one of the rules of bicycle touring in a way, but it's okay to break some of the rules sometimes. So I, I'm basically saying try not to use it if, but you can if you want to. Yeah. yeah no, that's great. I like the water bottle. Okay. I'm gonna get another mount. Okay. Yeah. Okay, we probably have time for one more question. If somebody has one more question. Hey, Darren, it's Justin in Kentucky. Tell tell us about your hey, opinion. Justin. Oh my <laughs> my opinion. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I ride a Comotion bicycle. Comotion Cycles makes my bike. And my new bicycle is called the Comotion Siskiyou. And it has a pinion gearbox on it, which is this, uh, instead of, it's hard to explain, but it's like all of the gearing for my bicycle 
is located inside the frame of the bike. So there aren't any of the sprockets and there's, I don't have a metal chain on my bike. Instead, I have like a carbon fiber belt. And um, yeah, so this pinion, it's called a pinion gearbox. And my, my gearbox has 18 speeds or, or gears on it. And, and it's a super wide range of gears. So, which is what you want when you want, when you go bicycle touring, because you could encounter anything really. Uh, you want to be able to go relatively fast on paved roads and you want to be able to go really, really slow when you're climbing uphill, carrying a whole bunch of weight. So my pinion gearbox uh, allows me to do all of that. And it's great because uh, it requires practically no maintenance at all. It's it, unlike, unlike the ge metal gears and chain that so many of us are used to. Uh, when you have that metal chain, you got to clean that thing once a week or so. But with this pinion gearbox, you basically do nothing for an entire year and it just keeps going and going and going. It's, it's been great. Um, it's like one of my favorite, new favorite things about bicycle, my, my bicycle touring setup is, is my internal pinion gearbox. Yeah, for sure. And what, I don't know what if that tire, answered what you. tires are you running on the 650Bs on the Siskiyou? They're Mar uh, the Marathon Plus tires. Okay. Cool. And I, and I've had, and I've had the same tires on there for two years now, and I haven't had any flats and I don't need to change them yet. <laughs> so that's pretty good. You know? I, I ride yeah, Cascadia, if you ever run motion Cascadia oh, co-pilot. Oh, I've not oh ridden cool. The, I've, I've not okay. ridden the pinion yet, but but my riding buddy just ordered a or just got commotion just shipped his Siskiyou pinion co-pilot. And so he's pretty excited about it. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. But we've not I've yeah. not seen so that's cool. So. Okay. Well, if you ever run into me, you're more than welcome to test ride it. You know, I'm always like trying to get people to jump on the bike and try it out because it it definitely is different than the normal chain and derailers Absolutely. all right well uh, i know we could probably ask darren questions all night but i want to be sensitive to everyone's time um if you guys so darren i know a lot of people know how to find you but for those who might not can you tell us just where we can find out more information um from you and just link us to you know, where you're at. Yeah, yeah. Um, everything is Bicycle Touring Pro. My website is bicycletouringpro.com. You can search me out on YouTube, Bicycle Touring Pro. Uh, Instagram, Bicycle Touring Pro. Facebook, Bicycle Touring Pro. That's where you find me. Yeah. Awesome. Simple enough. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was yeah. awesome just you answering all our questions and spending time with us tonight. And um, thank you all for coming. We appreciate getting to see all these cool faces and talking a little bit more about bikes and the bike touring world. Um, you can find us at teentrex.com or on Facebook or Instagram. You can find us there if you want to learn more about bike trips for teenagers. But other than that, we'll be having more of these. Um, just stay tuned to some of our social media for for more on our education series. But thank you all for joining and um, you all have a good night. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Darren. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bye. Have a good night. Thank you. Nice to see you. Bye, guys. Yeah, see ya. Bye.
Adiós. Adiós. Buenas noches.